You're listening to the Faith 2020 Podcast, helping you see 2020 clearly through the lens of faith. Now here's your host, Michael Ware. This is the Faith 2020 Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Ware, and I'm excited about the guests we have for you. The intention for this podcast from day one has been to bring you historical perspective, perspective from someone who's been involved in presidential campaigns and at the intersection of presidential politics and faith to bring you uh, journalists and experts that have insight to share, but also to bring you those who are actually acting in this election. Uh, and we've done that already. Reverend Gabriel Salguero was a guest. He is someone who the campaigns look to and listen to. Uh, there have been a number of other people. We had Senator Chris Coons on, of course, who's, who was, who is, uh, co-chair of the Biden campaign. Today I'm excited because we have a special guest, uh, my friend and, and so full disclosure, I've known Josh for, a decade. And so my friend and also the new, uh, newly minted director of faith engagement for the Biden campaign, Josh Dixon. Uh, and so I'm not going to do a big wind up here. The conversation I have with him is really the, the centerpiece. W- what I will say is, you know, the purpose of this conversation is to give you insight into how the Biden campaign is thinking about faith. And so uh, I asked Josh to lay that out, uh, what they're what their message is, how he's thinking about his work, and would turn it to you, the listener, to, to to test that and think about what he's saying and think about your own priorities and how you're thinking about this thing. My hope is to have guests from the RNC and the Trump campaign uh, moving forward. You know, we're just just a few months out from this, uh, from from the election. And so things are going to pick up from here. Obviously, Vice President Biden's running mate is uh, going to be chosen and announced uh, in, you know, could be any day now. That's going to obviously be a significant milestone and give us a clear picture, a clearer picture of what the next few months are going to look like and what uh, of the choice that we'll be facing voters. But without further ado, we're going to take a quick break uh, when we get back. We're going to hear from Josh Dixon. This is the Faith 2020 Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Faith 2020 Podcast. I am uh, excited to introduce you to Josh Dixon. Josh began his career as a teacher on Chicago South Side, where he served as a volunteer leader in advocacy efforts focused on youth homelessness, school funding reform, and ex-offender job training programs. After four years working in education, Josh received a master's in public policy from the Harvard Kennedy School, where he wrote his thesis on opportunities for Democrats to make inroads with young, faith-motivated voters, which led to the creation of the Young Democrats of America's inaugural Faith and Values program. Following graduate school, Josh was deputy director of faith outreach at the DNC and was involved in Obama 2012 Ohio. And afterwards, Josh served in the Obama administration as the director of the Center of uh, for Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships at the U.S. Department of Commerce. 
Josh then moved into roles with Points of Light and Teach for America, most recently serving as TFA's Senior Managing Director for Base Mobilization, where he led the development and implementation of the organization's supporter engagement strategy for TFA's National Recruitment Team. Josh currently lives in Denver, Colorado, where he co-leads the Colorado Obama Alumni Association and co-founded the Colorado Faithful Democrats. He's originally from Rochester, New York, so not far away from Buffalo, which, um, you know, is something he could uh, be happy about. (laughs) And uh, Josh is a graduate of the University of Michigan, where he studied political science. Uh, Without further ado, uh, here is my conversation with Josh Dixon. Well, I am so happy to have with me a Josh Dixon. Josh, how are you? I'm doing good today, Michael. It's good to be with you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining the Faith 2020 podcast. Um, would love, we have so much to to get into. Uh, would love to uh, just open with, I, I know a lot about you. Uh, would love for you to talk a bit about sort of your background, how you got into politics, and uh, yeah, how you ended up taking on the role leading uh, faith outreach for for Vice President Biden's campaign for the presidency. Absolutely, Michael. And again, thanks so much for having me. It's always good to catch up and to have a chance to chat with you. So my background, you know, goes back to my, my great grandparents, uh, grandparents, my dad, my aunts, and my uncle are all Moody Bible Institute graduates. My brother and I were named after Joshua and Caleb. From the Bible, uh, we went to church <laughs> twice on Sundays and once on Wednesdays, and I was involved in Awana and you know sword drills and all that stuff, and was involved in my church youth group. And my faith has always been a cornerstone, huge part of my life ever since I was young. And my parents were really incredible role models in living their faith out through service and so mm-hmm. much of what they do. My dad's a teacher. Uh, in a low-income school in upstate New York. My mom is a realtor, realtor who works with uh, clients uh, from a lot of different backgrounds, including many folks um, from more disadvantaged backgrounds. And they're, they're just incredible people who really modeled for me what faith in action looks like. When I got to college, I was really involved with Campus Crusade for Christ at the University of Michigan, helped lead the outreach team, the prayer team. And we had a pretty big ministry. It was about 500 people, was also leading a Bible study, attending Bible studies. And, you know, the the way that I kind of oriented towards what I would do after college was very much grounded in my faith and was really through a lot of uh, seeking and introspection and prayer and um, just trying to, to pursue wisdom and uh, discernment. Yeah. And that ended up leading me to be a teacher in a low-income school on the south side of Chicago. And as I said, my dad is a teacher, my grandma is a teacher, and I've just seen the impact they were able to have on people's lives. And I really wanted to do something that I thought would put hands and feet to my faith. And it was definitely uh, a professional choice that uh, I think put me in a situation where um, there were a lot of, uh, I was challenged a lot uh, in terms of um, just the different ways in which, you know, I saw challenges on the resource side in my school. You know, my mm. students were incredible. Uh, their parents were just amazing, amazing people. It was a great community to work with. And I saw the challenges they faced just because of their zip code, just because of where they were born. And I always say, if they're, 
zip code had been one digit different on the end, they would have such a different set of opportunities before them. And, and I think yeah. that's one of the things that really compelled me when I was teaching in Chicago uh, about what that meant for me as a Christian and what that meant for me as someone who follows Jesus. And, you know, it really pushed me to, I think, see all of the ways in which um, there is such a strong calling uh, for us as Christians to work against systemic injustice, to work against um, the poverty and racism and other things like that that we see in the world. Uh, and, and it helped me see that um, in a different way and in a way that mm -hmm. made things very, very real. And, you know, many of my students' parents were people of faith and we would talk about that uh, at times after school and other other teachers and, you know, really talking about like like the calling to work to ensure that everyone has the chance to reach their God-given potential and to be a part of living out our faith uh, in real life, um, the orthopraxy piece on a daily basis. And, and that was actually when I came across for the first time um, the book, The Audacity of Hope by then Senator Barack Obama. And it was the first time when I read his chapter on faith, that was the first time that I really felt like someone summed up a lot of where the intersections of my own theology my own beliefs on public policy and political theory and in a way that just deeply resonated with me. And so yeah. I was very compelled by then Senator Obama and really started following politics a lot more at that point. At that point, I definitely did not call myself a Democrat and it took years before I did largely because of the environment in which I grew up. Yeah. But the values that I saw then Senator Obama, later President Obama, living by. I saw what he talked about on the 2008 campaign, which, you know, I know you and uh, our friend Joshua and Paul and so many others were working really closely on. Uh, I, I saw that and that spoke to me, you know, and, and, and I'm someone who was very like that really just resonated with me more, more than words can say. And that really brought me into the space of saying, you know, what is my own calling and how do I want to live that out? And it was like really around that time that uh, as I was having this um, formative experience, being able to uh, partner with my kids in their communities to try to um, increase opportunity uh, for their for them and their families really brought me to this point of feeling like my calling was to work towards social uh, and economic justice and to use the opportunities that I've been given um, to to play a part in opening the doors of opportunity for other people. And that was really kind of what led me into the politics space. And so yeah. I kind of moved forward from there and was in, worked uh, with the Young Democrats of America a little bit, helped them start up their first ever faith and values program shortly after I was a teacher and then um, got involved with the Democratic National Committee, working with Reverend Derek Harkins and had a chance to work with you a bit and yeah. uh, had some had some good times there out on the campaign trail and spent time in Ohio and then had a chance to serve in the Obama administration at the Commerce Department as the director of the Center for Faith-Based Neighborhood Partnerships. And where that kind of leads me to the Biden campaign is I stayed involved in political things after I left the administration, helped co-found the Colorado Faithful Democrats in Colorado, where I now live, which is an official initiative of the Colorado Democratic Party. And, you know, I've, I've just been very compelled by Vice President Biden's vision for our yeah. country and how rooted it, it is in common good values, especially as we are at this historic moral moment and this key inflection point where we are going to decide whether we bend the moral arc of the universe more towards justice 
or not. And I think, you know, the vice president started his campaign with a call to restore the soul of the nation. We're at this point now where we've had these prophetic words from John Lewis in his final op-ed in the New York Times talking about the need to redeem the soul of the nation. And I think that that's really what Joe Biden's vision for the country speaks to. And I think that he's really speaking to what I believe is the core religious issue of this election, which is systemic racism. And I think what we're seeing in the country bears that out. And I think in this, in these prophetic times, um, you know, I can't stand on the sidelines. And so, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to be able to work towards these things. And I'm looking forward to working with many people, uh, who are listening in right now. Yeah. Well, so appreciate that. So, so much I want to talk about just sort of with your story. I, I think so recently the story of the role of faith in public life has been one of, uh, self-interest as, Elizabeth Diaz reported in the New York Times tomorrow, sort of a pursuit of power for the purpose of self-interest. Uh, and I think there's an opportunity to tell a different story that actually the story of faith in this country is one of service and one of sacrifice and one of striving for ideals that come from a source higher than ourselves. And uh, so much of what you just laid out, you, you, in many ways, and I, you know, I've known you for a long time. You, you embody that, uh, and so uh, what a uh, what an interesting thing now to, uh, to to find you and for you to find yourself uh, uh, running faith outreach in this in this moment uh, for for someone like uh, Vice President Biden and in a campaign like what lies uh, before us. Um, would love for you to just give an overview. I know you're still. Well, I was going to say you're getting your feet wet still, but but actually I've been following you and it's, it seems like that happened pretty quickly. It seems like you're you're already running. It, give folks a sense of uh, what the, the Biden campaign's faith outreach look like, looks like, uh, faith outreach uh, effort looks like, and, and how you're thinking about the effort uh, now that we're, you know, three months away from from election. Well, I really appreciate those those kind words, Michael. And I just want to hit on your your first point for a second, you know, I think that when I look at our calling as Christians, right? Um, I had this, this Bible verse from Mark up on my wall in college. We painted it on the wall, you know, and it was for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And I yeah. think your point is so salient right now that too many people look at politics and say, what can you do for me? I think as Christians, our litmus test is what is this person's vision going to do for the people that Jesus calls us um, to be partnering with and serving mm. alongside of and working for opportunity towards? What is this person's agenda going to do for marginalized communities and people who are oppressed and people who have been bearing the yoke of injustice? And I think that that's my litmus test for who I'm going to support, who I'm going to work for. And I think it's a, it's, it's a really important point because we see a lot of messaging right now that pulls us away from that yeah. and that really pulls us more towards us and towards, um, you know, our own egos and towards what we personally kind of want uh, in order to feel like we're in some sort of place of influence or control. And I think that mm. we're called to a much more redemptive, others-centered vision and place in the world than that as Christians. And so mm. I think that as we are looking at this election, as I look at this election, as we look at 
all the things that my team is doing, we're really centering it in how are we fighting as hard as we can to ensure that everyone has the opportunity they deserve for their full inherent human dignity to be realized fully um, and the chance to pursue human flourishing in every possible way. And so, you know, along those lines, what we're to your second question, what yeah. the way we're going about this is, you know, we have a, a pretty robust outreach strategy where we're working with many, many different people of faith from a lot of different backgrounds underneath our Believers for Biden uh, platform. And so yeah. Believers for Biden is our national effort aimed at connecting with um, uh, and partnering alongside of and mobilizing faith-motivated voters. There are three really, really big things we want to make clear to everyone. One, this campaign values and respects people of faith. Two, we are asking for the support of people of faith. We are going to be listening and we are going to be showing that people of faith matter in this campaign. And, but we're also going to ask for their support. And we're going to ask that folks consider what's at stake in this election um, when they make their decisions about who to vote for in November. And then third is we're going to make a very, very strong case that Vice President Biden is the candidate that best reflects the values of people of faith uh, in his own pursuit of the common good and his own pursuit of justice in the public square. And so the way that we're doing this is starting off with listening. And we've been doing a lot of listening sessions with key leaders from many, many different backgrounds and just opening up the floor for people to share with us the issues that matter. These aren't partisan engagements. They are just ways for us to connect and let folks know your voice matters to this campaign. Your voice matters to the coalition of people who we're building. Um, then we're also setting up structured groups who are giving me and Reverend Derek Harkins at the DNC, we work hand in hand, that are giving us advice on a regular basis and helping us know about things that are impacting their communities in real time and giving us uh, recommendations and suggestions um, for how best to connect with people uh, who come from a variety of different backgrounds. Third is we're doing public events. You kind of alluded to this. We've already done a handful of public events and including with Dr. Jill Biden. Yeah, and right. we are going to continue that. And we're going to have a robust public event strategy, all virtual. Um, so any folks who are listening in can, can tune into our events and it's a great way to hear more about what we stand for. And we kicked off our first big public event with a moment of silence for the civil rights leaders, John Lewis and C.T. Vivian, who recently passed, and a moment of silence for the victims of COVID-19, and then launched into a reading from Isaiah. And I think that really speaks to what we stand for and the, the fact that, you know, we want to be values-based and centered in values and really um, letting folks know that, that that's our approach in this campaign. And so we're doing public roundtables around policy. We're doing issue town halls. We're also doing um, organizing and action events like the event we had just this past week. And we're also going to be doing, um, we've already started a weekly devotional. So every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, anyone who's interested can tune in. It's a nonpartisan space just to center, pray, reflect, and hear uh, a 
modified message um, to keep us all grounded. Yeah. And, and so you're going to see also like a lot of engagement of public figures. You're going to see people speaking out in support of uh different candidates, um, our candidate in particular, who people who've never engaged in politics before are mm. looking at this as not a moment to be partisan, but to be principled because yeah. there's just so much at stake right now. And people see there being such a different vision that Vice President Biden is putting forward. And a lot of people are really wanting a change from kids in cages, from refugees being denied safe harbor, from public health being politicized, mm -hmm. and from people having to live in fear. People who are um, people of color and so many other folks because of the racism we see coming from the top. And so, yeah. you know, I think people really want right now a chance to fight for the values that are at the center of who we are as people of faith and for me as a Christian. And people want the chance to work towards what we're called towards in Isaiah 58, right? To, to sweep down the walls of injustice and, and break the chains of oppression. You spoke a bit to what was going to be my next question. You, you mentioned sort of listening sessions. Has there been anything in those listening sessions that has surprised you? And then, you know, if you just want to speak a bit more to this, and, you know, maybe related, you know, what, what, what do you think is Vice President Biden's message to the faith community broadly in, in this election? Uh, I just want to, you've spoken to it a bit, but want to give you an opportunity to, you know, answer the, answer the, the, the question directly. Yeah, absolutely. So on the listening session piece, I think one of the biggest things we hear is people saying, it's really good to actually be listened to. And oftentimes <laughs> yeah. in, in campaigns and, you know, and from on both sides, but, you know, on, on the Democratic side at times, faith voters, especially faith voters from um, specific constituency backgrounds don't always have that seat at the table. And so one of the big themes we've heard is just requests for deeper inclusion and representation, um, as well as like we do continue to hear this recurring theme about people being very energized around really working collaboratively to address the systemic racism that has become so much more apparent um, in our country, in, in the public square. And I think that actually leads into our big message, right? Our big message and Vice President Biden's message to faith voters is that this election is about both restoring and redeeming the soul of the nation. Mm -hmm. And we actually believe that that starts by by directly addressing what we think is the real religious issue of the election, which is systemic racism. And again, you know, we're seeing people marching in the streets in response to the, to the murder of George Floyd. We're seeing major Christian leaders, publications, and so many others taking a stand, acknowledging Black Lives Matter and putting out a call for people to step up and act for justice. And so yeah. this campaign is about that. And we want people to know that. And we want people to know that we're really trying to build uh, an inclusive and diverse group of people who aren't just going to, you know, stop the work uh, once the election results are in, uh, hmm. in early November. But we're trying to build a coalition of people who are going to work and partner together um, to, to bring more justice in the public square uh, and to ensure that as much as possible, people have the opportunities they deserve to succeed in this country. 
Yeah, I mean, Josh, I, I've been you know in a similar seat to where you're sitting now, and just remember. What yes, you have. Like. <laughs> yes, you have. Remember what it was like to uh, you know the faith community in America is so diverse and so, diverse. so many. Uh, uh, there's such a, a sweep of of opinion, and all of it you know comes from a place of conviction. Um, how how do you and you know, I think to the extent that you could speak to, to the vice president and the campaign, how do you how do you deal with criticism from the faith community? Can, kind of kind of what is your response to whether to criticism that's come up during these listening sessions and and how do you anticipate the vice president will deal with criticism if if he's elected? I think that's a great question, Michael. We always start off with a posture of grace and seeking to understand and really trying to situate things in relationship so that as we move forward with with people, as we move forward with leaders, with communities, we can do our best to find common ground as much as possible as we pursue the common good. And I think that's really what it is. And there, as you mentioned, the faith communities in America are incredibly diverse and come from many, many different places and have many different opinions and perspectives and experiences. And so from our vantage point, the real focus is on trying to ensure people have as much of a seat at the table as possible and mm-hmm. trying to ensure that we're being listeners first. You know, if we're, if we're, if we're good Bible believing Christians, we will be too. Uh, from, uh, you know, I know James admonishes us about that a little bit. Uh, I was always one of my favorite verses when I was, uh, when I was in college, you know, it was like, you always got to be listening, right? <laughs> you have, uh, you have two ears and one mouth, right? And, and so we want to be listeners first. And then we want to be people who are acting in a way that is valuing where folks are coming from and seeking to find the common ground that we can. That's how we're aiming to uh, have this campaign positioned. And that's something that we want folks to know and that we're, we're always open to, to feedback and perspectives and opinions. Yeah. Well, Josh, on this podcast, we've gone through the history of democratic campaigns and faith outreach and have tracked the way that different campaigns have addressed the issue of abortion, from, especially from carry on. Abortion has been an issue that Vice President Biden has grappled with for much of his career. And, you know, during the primary, his changes position on Hyde and what was a pretty, you know, I think important moment during the primary. In the past, he is uh, someone who supported Hyde, describing it in a what I think is an interesting way. He suggested that uh, just as he didn't think personal views against abortion should be imposed on uh, women by the government. He didn't think that views in support of abortion should be imposed on taxpayers through federal direct federal funding of abortion. Uh, he changed his position on Hyde and, and gave an explanation for that. I anticipate it's going to come up a- again during this campaign, whether it's during the debates. Obviously, Trump has been uh, pressing on this issue. And so what was interested, talk to us about how the vice president, how the campaign is, what your posture is on this issue uh, of abortion and uh, speaking to Hyde if you can as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Michael. You know, this is a complex issue that people have many views on, and it's one that we don't approach lightly. 
think it's known the vice president is pro-choice. Hope it's also known that his outlook on women's health is grounded in equity and equality and is expansive. And he cares about maternal and women's health and well-being. And he's shown that throughout his career in a number of different ways. I think uh, two good examples are the Violence Against Women Act, as mm-hmm. well as the Affordable Care Act and the different things that he fought for to ensure that women do have equity and equality as much as possible when it comes to their health care on the whole. The vice president's also pro-family and pro-mother and really focused on making sure that families and children and parents have the health access that they need. Um, and just again, that everyone should have the equity and equality on this issue, period, when it comes to their health care. And we also, you know, we believe that this is something that is on people's minds. We also believe that folks are going to be looking at a lot of things when they consider who they're going to support in November. And they're going to, really going to be looking at the issues um, uh, in a multitude of ways. And they're going to be looking at the values that candidates bring to their proposals and to what their, what their um, agendas are for the country. And I think that uh, based on that, you know, you see across the board the the posture that Vice President Biden has towards women's health issues, towards racial equity, towards his Latino agenda, towards his Build Back Better plan is really grounded in that idea um, of fighting for justice for all and, and fighting for the marginalized. Uh, and so, um, you know, I think uh, this this election will present two very different uh, visions for the country. And I think that when we look at Vice Vice President Biden's vision, um, it's a vision that's really focused on restoring the soul of the nation uh, and pushing us forward in a way um, that is really focused on ensuring everyone has the opportunity to reach their full God-given potential. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Josh. One, one uh, other thing voters might be l- looking at when they consider their vote is uh, the running mate. And, uh, you know, you'll know better than I. By the time this episode comes out, we may know who that is. But uh, can you speak uh, a bit to what uh, the vice president is looking for in a running mate? And, uh, you know, if you're able, what religious Americans should be sort of attentive to as they as they see, you know, this decision get, get rolled out? Yeah, absolutely, Michael. And I think that there are two really, really big things um, that are important when it comes to the running mate. One is someone who shares his values and is committed to fighting for those values in the public square in his administration. And as we all, uh, you know, are, are aiming to, to bring more um, opportunity and equality and justice to people all over this country. And then second is someone who is prepared um, for, the, for, for the job of president of the United States. Aside from that, I can't really speak to too much aside from what he has already spoken to publicly. But I think in terms of your question about how religious folks and faith motivated folks um, can be thinking about this is, you know, again, it it really comes down to values and it really comes down to what are we going to fight for and how are we going to move past this moment of division and this moment where we're seeing we're seeing active efforts from the administration to oppress people. We're seeing active efforts to separate kids and families, to put kids 
in cages to prevent folks from taking really, really important steps when it comes to public health. Um, we're seeing uh, the demonization of different groups um, just because of who they are, uh, be it their, mm. um, their skin color or their sexual orientation or more. And mm. these attacks on the, interior, on the inherent human dignity of everyone are an affront to what we stand for as people of faith. And I think what folks can know is the, the vice president and his running mate will be running on a platform focused on ensuring that everyone has a chance to reach their full God-given potential and living in a society where their inherent human dignity is acknowledged and recognized and they're able to fully participate in society. Josh, uh, we're nearing the end of this thing. I I do want to uh, sort of give you an opportunity. Is there anything that we should be on the lookout for um, in in the coming weeks and, and months? Sort of, do you do you have any milestones in 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 your mind as you're thinking about? I'm, I mean, it's such an extraordinary thing, Josh, to come on to a campaign which is so different than working in the federal government, where you have sort of multiple objectives and a long timeline, you know, you really have one objective and, you know, like weeks. <laughs> and so is there anything we should be on the lookout for um, that my listeners should be attentive to as, you know, over the course of the next, what, 12, 13 weeks of this thing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the first thing to be on the lookout for is we're going to have Believers for Biden events happening on a weekly basis. We have one coming up this Friday. It's a Rural Believers for Biden event with former Senator Joe Donnelly, who's Catholic and is going to be talking about that, as well as faith leaders. We're going to be having Believers for Biden events moving forward. So please be on the lookout for those. We'd love to have people attend um, and especially like share the information so we can just get the word out more uh, about the work we're doing. And on all those events, we provide opportunities for people to get involved uh, afterwards. And then convention is coming up next week. And we have some really, really cool, beautiful interfaith programming that's going to be going on. We're going to be spotlighting a lot of different voices. And so hmm. be on the lookout for that. There will be an announcement coming out about that really, really soon. Maybe by this time, the, the time this drops, that'll be out. Um, but I'd say definitely tune in because it's going to be, uh, you know, we're, we're really going to be speaking to a lot of things that I've been talking about today. And we're speaking to, you know, that vision for healing, restoration, redemption, and transformation um, when it comes to where our country goes from here. Yeah. Hey, Josh, want you to know, buddy, praying for you. You got a lot of people who are, uh, you know, uh, looking out for you and, and hoping you succeed, not even so much politically and in this campaign, but there are so many folks around the country who just think highly of you. I'm, I'm one of them. Appreciate you being on the show and uh, uh, hey, might be appropriate to bring you back on at some point before the end of this uh, campaign. So we'll stay in touch. But but thanks so much for joining uh, for, for this episode. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate your prayers. We're praying for you as well. Other folks are out there and have requests. Send them our way. Um, you know, we think that this uh, this is a really important moment and just grateful for the chance to, to share it with you today, Michael, and, and with everyone else who's listening in. And we'll look forward to the next time. Thank you, Josh. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Again, this was to give you insight into the Biden campaign, how they're thinking about things. 
where they see the opportunities are and what their approach is to the faith community. And I, I think we actually learned quite a bit from, from that interview, which will inform how we think about this race over the coming months. I hope that you'll listen to that interview with Josh in the context of previous episodes and conversations that we've had uh, together. All right, uh, we're going to be picking things up here. I mean, I think it's uh, it's going to be appropriate with the conventions coming up, with running mate being announced. There's obviously so much uh, faith news that has happened. Uh, we'll we'll talk about all of that uh, in the next episode. Um, excited to walk through these next few months with you. This is the Faith 2020 Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Ware. Thanks so much for listening.